0: Good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Houston Round Bar View presents Folks Talk of Sports, sponsored by Steve Saxenian and the Saxenian family. We'll have that sponsorship for roughly another few weeks, a month, probably four weeks or so. But I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar View. Joining me as you see on the screen or listening on one of our podcast platforms, and Yanez with Paw Samajama and James Mueller of The Daily Cougar. And joining us later on should be Willie Gibson of WTG Sports, as well as Tamer Knight from the Night Agenda. So it's going to be a full show. Try to get a lot of lot in um, this hour and change. I hope one of you guys just retweeted the, the uh, link to the show on our Folks Talk Sports Twitter account. I'm doing it. Like that. But uh, first things first, guys. How y'all doing? Doing am well. um, Doing good. How are your brackets? Pretty good.
1: They, well, after the second game, well, it depends on the one of them. Let me, the play action one that we're doing so far, so. uh,
0: I know I'm in last in that one. I was time for last. So. I've missed two in that one. But uh, yeah, play action pools, you know, we got that one part in with that. And here's Willie Gibson joining us. He he, uh, was able to finish his his dad duties quicker than he thought. So he's going to, we're going to bring him in.
1: The one that's really screwed me over is that Richmond upset. Yeah.
0: I got that one right. I got the that up that upset right. I got. The, I I picked differently in in three different brackets, so I really could not tell you which is which. But uh, Willie Gibson, how are you, sir?
2: Uh, I'm good. Good how about you guys? Good, good. We're good. good.
0: How how how's your bracket, sir?
2: Uh, I'm down two so far. I lost uh, Iowa and I lost uh,
0: Colorado State. Yep, it's oh. it's weird how how and like I said in three different brackets. I you know friends sent me a bracket, so I wasn't paying attention to what I did to match it with another bracket. So, and one I picked Michigan, another I picked Colorado State. <laughs> so, in one I picked Richmond, in our know, plaques and pools. One I got that one, but others I picked Iowa. So my brackets, depending on which one I look at, I'm in last place in pretty much all three of them. So, <laughs> but uh, whatever, uh, we're gonna get into it, guys. I know it's it's y'all have been really keeping up with this. It's so important to, to all four of us. The Houston Cougars women's team is in the third quarter of their WNIT first round game in Ruston, Louisiana versus La Tech, and they are leading 42-34 with seven minutes left in the third quarter. And let me say once again, that's the WNIT, not the first four, which is the first year. For women's basketball this year of the first four in the field of 68 in the NCAA tournament. This is the WNIT. And they're on the road, so they weren't even good enough to host a game in the WNIT in the first round. So I say all that to say this. I got a call last night, gentlemen, from someone asking me about the Houston job and its availability. This person would like to have the job. So I'm already getting calls about the job. Okay. So, and, and I think I sent it to all three of you, what I sent, I'm going to put it out there, you know, this is Post Talk Sports. I sent this to email to uh, the vice president of athletics slash AD Chris Pesman. Oh God. As, as well mm-hmm. as the senior women's administrator. The simple analogy comparison that Kelvin Sampson, and Ronald Huey have both been at Houston since 2014, and which one has had success and which one hasn't led his team to the tournament, as in the NCAA tournament? We know the answer. I have not heard a reply from either one of them, uh, Ms. Chiser or Mr. Pesman. They're probably spending time in Pittsburgh with the men's team, but it's just another example of them caring more about men's basketball than women's basketball. But, but go ahead, Mr. Gibson. Go ahead.
2: So you said the senior woman's administrator? Yes. Is in Pittsburgh with the men's team, not in Ruston, she, Louisiana? No, I doubt she
0: might be in Ruston. Who knows? Okay, okay, okay. You okay, know, okay. I, you know okay. I don't know. But I know Chris Peasant with the fellas. Gotcha. But yeah, Fair enough. Fair I mean, enough. I, so, yeah. I guess Tamer's there. I don't know if she's going to be on audio or not. It's kind of a dark screen, but she's joining us. But uh, we got a full show. So try to get in. But definitely be done before Texas Southern plays Kansas later on tonight at 857. That game's on true TV, but, uh, Tamer, uh, give me a sign that you're ready to, for me to bring you into the studio because I can't really tell right now, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I got a phone call from someone last night. Well, first it was text message, then phone call, asking me about the availability. Well, first the person asked what's up with Houston, what's going on in Houston, this person is uh Chris, they should be better than they are. There's too much talent in this city, too much talent in this state to be this bad. Thoughts on, thoughts on that?
3: I mean, I can start, first off, I'll say like, I love Coach Huey as a person. He's the nicest guy, but I mean, he not being able to make the tournament NCAA tournament once, I think there needs change. I think if I'm correct, 2011 was the last time the program went to the NCAA tournament. So it's been over 10 years and you're about to step into the Big 12, which is much more competitive than the American Athletic Conference. And so bringing in a change for presumably the last year of the program in the AAC before they transition to the Big 12 this is the year to do it because you give them, you know, a year to get back on track so they're ready for that Big Twelve. Because right now, I mean,
0: they might not win a game in the Big Twelve. Andy, what are your thoughts? And will you, you, you fence it up? Uh, and, and not to
1: sound a little funny, but Chris, what you need to start doing when you send these emails, you might, you might have
0: to send in your resume too.
1: If you got coaches calling you up. Shoot, the UH athletics communication department has to has to start giving you a check. Looks like you're more connected than uh... Mr.
0: Yanez, That was suggested years ago when, <laughs> when I I had I got called from coaches and I was at the Final Fours telling asking me telling me they had interest in the job. Oh, that was done years ago, and they ignored me. So you know whatever, I, I move on, and, and that's why I started covering Baylor and A and M and and UConn and the national programs. So, but yeah, shame.
1: No, but like James said, I agree. Like uh, the, the great comparison that you have with him and uh, both Kelvin Sampson starting in, in 2014. They both started in April 2014. Uh, and, and really, I, I was talking about this on the Potsdamajama podcast, but when you look at the, the, I guess you can kind of call it a run that they had in the American Athletic Conference Tournament against Cincinnati and Tulane. And that was the story all season long where, and Spurts, they look really good. They they're, when they're, they they when were fine on all cylinders. Uh, obviously, of course, they were led by Laila Blair more often than not. And uh, they show flashes of what the team had the talent to do. Now, the problem was they couldn't string it together. They couldn't consistently be able to put together an entire season. And that's why they were hovering around 500. Uh, whenever they would play the, the higher echelon teams, more often than not, they would get crushed. Now, kudos for for the team to... Uh, when they did play USF in the American Athletic Conference tournament, like you said, at least being respectable and being within striking distance uh, for for at least most of that game. But, yeah, like you said, eight years, no tournament appearance. Like it's the closest thing you could bring on last year whenever they, they were the first team out. <clears throat> but it's hard, man. Like uh, you're going into your ninth season, the last year in the American Athletic Conference possibly. And if you weren't able to make it into the NCAA NCAA tournament in the American, what makes you think you'll be able to automatically or out of nowhere switch, flip the script once you get into the Big 12? It's going to be a much tougher conference. I mean, no disrespect to UCF and USF, but they're nothing compared to the top teams in the Big 12. And
2: uh, it's going to be a challenge.
0: Well, what do you say, sir?
2: I guess I asked, what's the end game for UH women's basketball because the peers are comfortable with the status quo because I mean eight years no tournament appearances, I don't I don't understand. And by no means am I calling for someone's job. I'm not. But however, you're brought in to be successful, and I don't see the success in the women's program. And and I almost I was, when you were telling me they were up in the women's NIT. I'm like, man, could that be enough to keep me? But, you know, going to the men, Xavier fired their coach the day after he won this first round game. <laughs> right. Right. So there's precedent. So, yes, yes I don't
0: understand it. And I a lot of coaches get three years max. This is eight. Right. Right. And, and let me say this. And, Will, your your point is superb. And this is what I said to the person last night. The question that needs to be asked and answered by UH administration, President Couture, Tillman, and then the Aswa, Chris Presman, what are your expectations for women's basketball? Because if you are content with what you have right now, happy with a birth in WNIT, playing in front of 100 people in San Center, then keep doing what you're doing. Because that's what, if that's the answer, then I wouldn't recommend anybody for that job. Why waste your time? Because if if their goal is to just be WNIT bound and a new coach has higher aspirations, then this is not the program for you. So I told that person, you need to reach out to people who know Tillman, who who has Tillman's ear. Because I don't have Tillman's ear. But I'm not sure Tillman knows what's going on in women's basketball. Because if he has – Tillman is a competitor, okay? He wants to win. He likes to make money, of course. But at some point, if it's pointed out to him, Tillman, if things say the same, Houston women's basketball in the Big 12 on national TV week in, week out, is going to lose about 20, 30, 40 points every game in front of crowds filled with – the majority of people for the visiting team in BIP 12 basketball. So is that what you want? Seeing your team get waxed game in, game out, because of you maintain status quo. If that's what you want, then we can just stop talking about Houston Cook winning basketball and just focus on football, men's basketball, track and field, <laughs> and keep it moving. You know, that's 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 the basic question. If they don't care enough about women's basketball to make a change, just keep doing what you're doing. I'll have the coaches stop calling me. You know why? Why bother? Look for other programs. There's other jobs available here in the state that could be as good, if not better. But again, this person, who I had not heard from in quite a while, texted me first. We we exchanged text back and forth, and then decided to call me to say, "This is me. Text. Let me just talk to you." And we just had, we spoke for like an hour. And I might tell you who this person is after the show. I might, but you know, I, I'm gonna I'm a see if she's ready. Try to pull her in here. Tamer? Uh, tamer? Let's come back to Erica. I'm not sure where she is, but okay. We got that to the side right now. Four months left in the third quarter. Houston women are up 45-36 over La Tech in the first round of the WNIT. Now let's talk about the successful program of men's basketball at Houston. 5C. It's been a while since it's uh, been a week. The Houston Cougars men's team thumped Memphis to win the AAC Conference Tournament on Sunday. Five C in the NCAA tournament. They'll face 12 C UAB. And I'm gonna get to you guys' thoughts on the matchup, but going to play. Comments from Coach Sampson. The question is from me. I ask him how does do they prepare for a first round opponent in the NCAA tournament who you haven't played before? How do you prepare? Do you scout common opponents? What do you what do you look at? So here we've got a clip, about three, three and a half minutes from Coach Sampson. So check that out. And then toward the end, we're gonna hear from Andy's favorite guy, Commissioner Mike Resco on two different <laughs> topics. Coach for the first game of the tournament, how much time do you spend to prepare looking at the teams, all their games of the season, a handful of games from I mean, opponents? How do you prepare for that first opponent of the tournament?
4: Well, um, um, Usually during the course of the season, you you know your next game, right? Or the game after that, the game after that. Before the season starts, I try to match the assistant coaches scouting responsibility to the strengths of the other team and i want Quantos scouting these games i want kellen scouting these games i want kc scouting these games so now that you get to the tournament there is no next game we only have one it's a one game season you know if, if we play good we've got a chance if we don't our season's over simple as that you know you know, you know if we win we'll you guys will be asking me questions, and if we lose, you'll be writing about how we lost. So there is no next game. So each each one of the assistants have a little input. You know, they'll take this block of games. Like KC, Kellen is the uh, lead scout on this game. Uh, so they he they all coordinate with him. Aquinas has got looking for certain things. Uh, KC will look for certain things. Um, And then these guys would get together and compare. And right this morning, they made a, um, you know, they brought to me about what. And then we watch a lot of tape, you know. I'll have uh, our video guy put certain games. Like North Texas, uh, people have no idea how good they are. Louisiana Tech's got the most unique player in America, Kenny Lofton Jr. Um, um, You know, you can get to see him play, but which one of the games did they play where those teams are most like us. Those are the games I tend to focus on. You know some teams play all zone against them. All well, right, you know, we don't really zone much so I, I don't get a lot out of watching that one. Uh, but teams that play man to man, similar pickup points, similar uh pick and roll coverages, how they guard the post, you know, those are the things. But at the end of the day it's gonna come down to how we guard Walker, uh how we guard Earl, and how we rebound. Um, I, I there's there's certain guys on their team that I fall in love with. Uh, one of the kids I fall in love watching them is Quan Jackson. Uh, boy, every team needs a Quan Jackson. You know, he's like Tajay Moore for us. Tajay does a little bit of everything. Playmates can make a basket. can pass. He can get a rebound. Uh, he can defend. Uh, that's Quan Jackson. You know, and other and other kids are like ours. They they have. Other kids are new this year, just like all our kids are new. You know, so we're a returning Final Four team. We are not a returning Final Four team. The Final Four team is not here, none of them. The only guy we have that played in the Final Four, uh, a meaningful menace, was Reggie and uh, really Reggie. Uh, Fabian was still recovering. Um, And he's not playing as much right now. So they have a brand new team. We have a brand new team. They're integrating uh, the transfer portal. And the transfer report has really helped us. Uh, so um, that's why my hat's off to Andy Kennedy and the job he's done. He's done a great job. They're really, they're a really, really good team. That's that's a top three team in our conference for sure.
0: A top three team in the American. Coach speak. And I think she's ready now. So let's bring her in, bring in Tamer Knight as well. Uh, so I think she muted herself. But come on, Tamer. Uh, I think you're ready. So come in and unmute yourself. There we go. All right. Kelvin sit. and joining us is uh, Tamer Knight of the Night Agenda and, and Night Sports and all those great things. And she also called basketball games for HBU Women's Basketball. And one of the people she worked with was Van Chancellor, Comet Legends. So got to ask her about that for the end of the show. But right now, Houston Cougars, Kelvin Sampson says UAB this season, they were 27 and seven, could be top three in the American. Thoughts on that, Andy.
1: You know, when I first heard Kelvin Sampson uh, say that, it it caught my eye too, because I guess I would assume he's putting UAB over SMU uh, in that category. Um, hmm. You know, the one thing about Kelvin Sampson is something that, that I've kind of, picked on uh, uh, the last few seasons. Um, it always seems like whenever he's facing an opponent, he always does a good job of building him up uh, ahead of a matchup. I mean, he's done it countless times with, you know, when it comes to conference play, all the, and really any opponent, if, if he gets a chance to speak to, to reporters before the game, he does a good job of, of building him up. But, uh, I mean, looking at uh, certainly what, what UAB was able to do, and and really when you look at how hot they have been uh, to end the regular the regular season and the conference tournament. Uh, I could see the argument. Now, I, I haven't seen them play the entire season to see if they're flat out better than than SMU. But I certainly think, I think like we mentioned in the post-game show, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be a clash of styles when Houston and UAB plays because of how fast and up-tempo UAB likes to play. And um, I mean, I was looking at, at a couple of trends just in preparation for our podcast. I think literally their last five games, uh, all wins for them, but they've scored like 80-plus points in every single one of them. So they're a team they want to push the pace. They have uh, a couple of good three-point shooters and Walker and I believe the other is Erdl, uh, Michael Ertle. Yep. So it'll be – I think the key for, for that matchup will be um, just to see like who, who really can establish their – who can control the game in terms of tempo because Houston has shown they can play up tempo a little bit, but with an eight-man rotation, that's not what they're going to want to do for the entire game and, and certainly they want to slow it down and try to get Josh Carlton and Fabian white a lot more touches that they possibly can.
0: James Mueller, what do you think about what Andy said about the UAB matchup for Houston and about coach Sampson's words about UAB being the third, could be the third best team in the American this year?
3: Yeah. I mean, I agree with Andy that Kelvin typically tends to hype the teams up that they're playing. Um, I think UAB would be in the top half of the American. I don't think they'd be top three. I'd take SMU over them any day. Um, just that's my thing. Um, and UAB, I mean, if you look at their who they played, um, they they lost a close game to San Francisco, who's a 10 seed. They lost to South Carolina. Um, they, they played West Virginia pretty good, lost by six. Um, they lost to Rice, um, who Houston just absolutely
0: – dominated. And what was the score in that game? That game, the losses at Rice, what was the score of that game, James? 85-80. Yes. Um, they gave up 85 Eighty-five yeah. to
3: Rice. Yes. They beat them the second time they played them, but they did lose the first time. So I think, yeah, I think UAB, they have good players like uh, Andy mentioned some of them in Ertle and Walker and then a few other guys, but I don't think they're a top three team in the
0: American now. Famer. Hi, guys. How are you? What are, what are your thoughts on tomorrow's matchup between Houston and UAB?
5: Um, <clears throat> I think uh, Houston is going to, it's the first round for them. So, you know, I think that they'll be ready. They should be ready. Um, I was just looking at UAB and the type of teams that they've played. Um, in my opinion, I just feel like the program itself is a great program. I don't think they've played any teams um, in... Obviously, Conference USA, I, I don't feel like Conference USA is a match for Cougars, but that's just my opinion.
0: Will, what do you think? Yeah,
2: hey, I think it's a uh, pure coach speak by, by Kelvin Sampson. I mean, I mean, I, I, as I was listening to him, it reminded me of Lou Holtz back yes. in the day. Old <laughs> Notre Dame coach. He, they could be playing a 0-7 Navy team, and you left that co- press conference thinking Navy was number two in the country. Cause he just gushed and they yes. have this and they have that and have this and we got to be ready and nah, nah. stop
0: stop i mean part, part of kelvin's lengthy media session this week he said jordan walker jordan jelly walker is will be the most dynamic player houston faces this year when he said that he said I, about I, I i rolled my eyes because <laughs> you know, i was like coach you said the same thing about Kendrick Davis at SMU, and he might have said it's about one of Alabama's guards earlier back in December. He certainly said
1: it post game after they played a, yes. yeah, he said it about Shackleford. Certainly post game after uh, they played Johnny Davis in Wisconsin, he said it about him too.
0: So, so yeah, well, it's it's a good comparison, good analogy with with uh, Lou Hulse. So, but UAB, they are veteran starting lineup, um, you know. Juniors, three juniors, and two grad players, grad seniors, 5'11", Jordan Jelly Walker, averaging about 20 points a game. Michael Ertle, 6'2", Jordan Walker is 5'11", probably 5'10". K.J. Buffin, 6'7", Quan Jackson, Kevin Sampson's favorite player, 6'4", and the Trey Jemison, 7 feet. So it's, it's an experienced start lineup in terms of overall college play. But they're new to the program because most, I think, UAB had like nine or ten transfers uh, join the program this year. So Coach Kennedy's done a good job making you know the chemistry mesh. So we'll see. But uh, I want to get you, you guys and ladies thought. For the most part, the basketball, the knowledgeable basketball people did not pick UAB as the 12 seed to win the 12-5 matchup you know fan sites maybe folks who don't know much about houston pick uab because of for whatever reason they just think houston's a a sham or whatever but did y'all come across anybody who you respect to pick who picked uab to beat houston friday night i haven't seen it i I haven't (laughs) seen it yeah andy
1: yeah i don't think i have either yeah
0: yeah. Akiev told me he saw it he saw it and I think but it it's mostly, you know, the fan sites, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, but what do they know? <laughs> so but fans, fan sites for whatever. I haven't looked to see uh what Mr. Goodman his prediction was, and you know, he's a Kook fan's favorite favorite national media person. Um, because he takes shots at Houston apparently all the time, according to some UH people. But I think Andy makes a good point. It's going to come down to styles. I think tempo is going to be important. That's obviously foul trouble. But I think Houston will win. Their defense is superior to UAB's defense. I think they're going to rebound. UAB has good numbers. They got a a positive turnover ratio. You know, less turnovers than their opponent. They rebound better than their opponent. All those things are positive numbers. But they haven't played Houston. A Houston-type team. So... I'm picking Houston to win the game, and then I'm kind of curious to see, because we won't have a show, you know, before the second round matchup, but if Houston faces Illinois in that 5-4, Mr. Gibson, Mm -hmm. Kelvin Sampson has said, he was asked a question before, maybe a month or so ago, it's easier to defend a low post scorer, this double team, than it is somebody on the perimeter. Okay. So, Kofi Coburn. We'll see, but I would I would I would like to see Kofi Coburn against Houston's monster trap. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody can handle that. Mm-hmm. So, not saying Memphis last year, especially, did a great job against the monster trap that's passed out of it, and, you know, diagonal passes all day long. But we'll see if Kofi, because you know, sometimes his passing is not the best. Sure so but that's second round so we'll see how that happens um but houston uab 820 friday night on tnt should be a fun matchup kevin and, Harlan on the call hmm
1: i said they have they're gonna have kevin Harlan on the
0: call yep kevin Harlan on the call let's see who we got here in the comments jt hines that's a new name here what's up to you um but yep yeah, james you're gonna hang on for a couple more minutes
3: yeah, I can stay for a few more minutes.
0: Okay, we got update. Houston women are up 10 over LaTeX with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter of their first-round WNIT game. Quest for everybody. I don't believe it's going to happen. But if Huey led the team to a WNIT championship, would that be enough to save his job?
3: Or
2: I ahead. would think so. I would think so.
0: For, from I mean, uh, from your perspective,
2: Will? I know, right? Yeah, I know. Imagine that. Uh, um, yeah. I th- if you win the, cha- I mean, you can't fire somebody after winning the championship, regardless of what championship. I it sure is. could,
0: but okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially if WNIT, but
2: yeah, okay. Because 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 then you can say, I have it turned in the right direction. I got another class coming in next year with these kids. Man. But he does
0: He has has one player signed for next year so far. Oh, wow. See, well, uh, I tried. (laughs) Tamer, what do you say? If he wins the WNIT championship, would that be enough to to, uh, bring him back?
5: I mean, I'm sure it would be enough to bring him back, but...
0: If you were in charge, would it be enough to bring him back?
5: No, because, I mean, the WNIT is a great opportunity postseason, but the NCAA tournament should always be the goal. And... I think I would prefer if they make it to the NCAA tournament and then lose round one, round two, versus going to the WNIT and winning the championship. Because, yes, it's an opportunity to keep playing. But, again, like I heard y'all talking in the beginning when I wasn't on. And um, that was the big thing. It's like he's never made it to the NCAA tournament. So, uh, and like I think James said, he's they're going to be moving to the Big 12 um Playing in the WNIT, I don't feel like that's gonna uh, be like sufficient to say like, oh, we made it to this tournament, but it wasn't the NCAA tournament.
0: And James, before you head out, what what do you you say? Would that be enough for if you were in charge?
3: Yeah. So if I was, it would not um, just for a lot of reasons Tamer said, and just like I think there's got to be some change if you want to turn this program truly around. But from the UH administration standpoint i think it would for them because they've shown they don't really care about women's basketball for things you've mentioned before you know no promoting no media availabilities nothing really and i mean it's it's like almost they don't even know uh has a women's basketball team so um if he's like able to come back and say hey got a championship they'll be like great that's fine let's keep going
0: and James, as you as you wrap it up how can folks find you on social media
3: yeah, follow me on Twitter at JDM2186, and all my work is at thedailycougar.com. Thank you, James. You
2: take Thanks care, man. Thank for having me. Yes, sir. All right, boss. Well, you going to Pittsburgh? You got to play in the catch?
3: No. Um, my family just got in from spring break trips, so we're having dinner. But oh, uh, Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. They, won't, they don't pay for me to go to Pittsburgh, only if we make Sweet 16 or further. Got it. In due time, but James. we Sweet in Sixteen in the uh,
1: South San Virginia. Antonio, <laughs> so it's an easy. Oh, track. oh wow, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's yeah. you know what? That's interesting in case so they do make it, you know, got the old brain uh, cranking. Got,
0: the, got their brain working, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Thanks, all right. All right, James. See you take all.
0: care. All right, boss. Andy, what do you say if you were in charge, and if Houston won the WNIT, would that be enough for you to bring him back?
1: I'd say no, and it's simple. Really, their fate was sealed when after last season. They were the first team out. So obviously, after heading into year eight, the goal should have been to finally take that step forward, make the NCAA tournament. And at the very least, when you play the top teams in the American, when it's USF and, and UCF, you know, hold your own. And the way they look during the regular season against USF, it, it, there's clear right there there's, there's still a, a gap, and it's a significant gap. So for that reason, I'm out.
2: <laughs> Even though this
0: is wow. Mark
2: Cuban. Okay,
1: so, Mark so Cuban. it's three to one against
0: you, Will. Three to one <laughs> against you. Yeah. But I think all four of us believe that they're going to bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, whether they win the WNIT, win it all there, lose today, or go to the second round and lose in, in the WNIT, they'll play if they win today, they'll play the uh, winner of SMU and who was it, Tennessee Tech in the, in the second round. Oh, that'd be interesting. And they meet SMU. Yep, and that game would be in Dallas. So they beat SMU twice this season in the only two matchups. But again, the goal – and here, this is where I'm coming from this, Will. Mm-hmm. If Huey was in his second or third year and won the, w, won the
1: WNIT, Heck, he was in his I, fourth year.
0: I, I, I'd be cool with it. Right. Because, you know, th- that would be a legit stepping stone. Yep. In your eighth year?
2: That's know. why I laughed. I tried to hold it, but I, I apologize. And then Andy said, "In year eight, I'm like,
4: man, yeah, year eight—that's crazy. Year yeah. so yeah.
0: so. I'm sorry, and like James said, he's a good dude. He was a good dude and all, but this is the eighth year, yeah. eight straight years of no NCAA tournament, yeah. not good.
5: even a conference tournament, not like, a
0: conference championship. Yeah, you know, not a regular season championship, nothing." Yeah. Three minutes away from going to the second round because they're leading check by 10. So, okay. Now we're going to pull up. Uh, got two, com- two clips from Andy's favorite commissioner, Oresko. Michael Oresco. Michael Oresco. One clip he addresses the um, exit fees and negotiations between the conference and Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. The other clip is Will's favorite topic, I think, or one of them. The college football playoff and where things stand there, so I'm not even sure what's is, is queued up first or how it is, but I know one is longer than the other. One is like three minutes, one is six minutes. Okay. But um, his his answers to the college football playoff, I think they're on point. So we'll play that. Either way, we're going we're gonna discuss what he says. But I think both are worthy of discussion. And let me see if i can let's see the first one should be about the exit fee so let me see if i pull that up and see where we here we go from commissioner michael aresco
3: can you do you have an update on
0: on just where where
3: things stand in terms of uh the the comings and the goings and, and where you would like to get things resolved in in terms of exit dates yeah yeah i
6: i thought i'd get that question and it's a it's a legitimate question uh we're, we're talking uh you know we think we've made some progress a couple of things i would point out though that i think are important to note one is we don't have to talk to anyone um, we're not required to, you know, our bylaws are very clear and we strongly support bylaws being enforced because otherwise college, college conferences collapse, you know, in terms of, of how they run and how they operate. So we're, we're a strong proponent of that. Uh, and, and, you know, we've told our, you know, our, our members, uh, excuse me, our new members that they come in when the others leave, you know, in all likelihood, we're not, we wouldn't take them unless they had a right to leave. Uh, and they, they're they fine with that. They fully understand. And, and they're totally on board with that. But we don't have to be talking to the three departing schools, but we are. And we are because if they would like to leave early and they've evinced a desire to leave uh, a year early, Then we're, we're more than willing to talk to them and see if we can't reach a, you know, a settlement, which is typically a financial settlement. And that's what we're working on now. Now, have we gotten closer? Yes. Are we there yet? No, we're not. And if we don't get there, then we would just say, fine, we'll, we'll stop the the negotiations and, and you would stay till uh, July 1, 24, which they've said they would do if, if we ultimately can't reach agreement. I'm hoping we can, if in fact they want to leave and it does appear that they do it appears the big 12 would be willing to take them in in 2000 you know 23 24 but the big 12 as i think may a point that they're not taking them unless they have a, a right to go i think uh, bob has made those statements you can you can you know check and correct me if i'm wrong so uh, at this point the continu- the discussions continue you know they're all good friends you know chris pesman has been one of our stalwarts as you know john cunningham terry had not been in the league as long as they've been but uh, we're trying to do it amicably and we you know we've had unfortunately I've had a, a little more experience than you would you would like to have with this you know we we obviously worked it out with UConn pretty pretty quickly this one's a little more complicated you know you have three schools you know pretty important schools have huge impact in, in football which is a sport as you know that drives so much of this but they also have significant basketball pedigree as well so uh again we'll, we'll keep talking uh we hope to get something resolved if if they're going to um if we're going to reach a settlement for them to exit earlier in 23 and again we have no obligation to do that and we're happy to have them stay more than happy to have them stay it's probably got to be done fairly soon you know we've got some deadlines we're looking at with schools that would like to come in potentially and have to give their notices as well so there's you know there's there's some urgency to our discussions um, and that's probably best uh, description Joseph at this point i can give you
0: so there we go Commissioner Michael Oresco of the American Athletic Conference. And the question was from uh, Joseph Duarte of the Chronicle. Well, what are your thoughts on that, Andy, about what he said about we hope to reach an amicable uh, resolution? If they if the teams don't, they're willing to stay till
1: 2024. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it uh, with Calvin Sampson praising UAB was coach speak. Uh, I'm going to categorize this as commissioner speak, especially um. Uh, when we had Sam over there a couple of weeks ago now where he mm-hmm. talked about really the, the main goal for these three schools is to get into big 12 by 2023. And I think it's, it's positive. that it, it, it seems like the conference has been um, willing to have those conversations and reach some sort of settlement. I just don't see how it doesn't happen at this point, to be honest, in terms of uh, figuring out uh, something that's amicable to both sides, some kind of uh payout that will be satisfied for the, for the conference. And, be honest I, at this point I think it's it's going to be twenty twenty three or if it doesn't happen it, it I'd imagine it's going to end up getting ugly between the three schools i I don't see them saying all the way till twenty twenty four in my
0: opinion but what do you say what, um, what, what you heard from the commissioner
5: i'm thinking I'm trying to think and here uh, I was just listening to andy um twenty leaving in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four obviously I'm sure that's what you Know all of the schools that are leaving and heading to the Big 12 want to do, but uh, like he said, Mike said, from a money standpoint, um, it has to be something beneficial for both sides. And me personally, I don't think like there's a reason to rush it if we, you know, can't get it done in a 2023 and 2024. But at the same time, it also just gives you a reach, um, from an athletics perspective. So, you know, kind of recruit more and, you know, do things to help their teams uh, better compete once they do get to the Big 12. So extra year they can just recruit, you know, uh, more athletes or, you know, um, athletes that kind of may come from the Big 12 or something of that sort. But at the same time, like I know, I don't know, I'm just mainly I'm talking about women's basketball, if we're being honest, like they probably could use that extra year. To you know, recruit and, and that, get better.
0: And that's a fair point. But yeah, that, football, that just football shows makes them. the world go round. <laughs> football makes the world go around mm-hmm. So an extra year in the American does not help Houston, Cincinnati, nor UCF. Mr. Gibson, what do you say about Commissioner Resco's comments?
2: What I heard was yesterday's price is not today's price.
0: Right. That's yes. what
2: it sounded like to me.
0: And and he said his comments in there is different than UConn because of the value these teams have compared to UConn because of football yep. and the negotiated price. The top the tossed out price is a total of $45 million for each school, 10 million, the exit fee, and then leaving 27 months prior is 35 million. So each school would have to pay out 45 million.
5: So you think a school would rather pay 45 million than just wait it out? Like that's yep. a, yeah. You know what they could do with that yes. Fee?
0: yes, they are. They're going they're going to negotiate a deal. It's probably going to be like 35 million and the agreement will be okay, we'll pay the 10 million now and then the balance will pay over, over 5 or 6 years. Because that's what UConn did. UConn paid whatever balance like 11, whatever, 2 million up front and then they paid the remaining, let's see what it, 6 million up front or 11 million up front and then 6 million over 6 years, whatever it was it. So it Was spread out so it was announced as UConn Huskies paid 17 million dollars to the American. No, they didn't. They did, they withheld their TV money, which is like six, five million that's what it was. It's five million from the TV deal, and then the remaining 12 million they paid two million agreed to pay two million for the next six years. But it was announced as UConn is going to pay the American 17 million dollars. No, they're not, they're paying them 12. They withheld five million from the TV rights deal so. The precedent was set right there from the American and Yukon. Do, do something similar. You can withhold the TV money if it's seven million instead of five million, okay? That seven million doesn't go to Houston, UCF, and, and Cincinnati. And then we'll say, okay, then that leaves 28 million. All right, then we'll pay that 20 million over seven years, four million each. Whatever. Because that money will help. The remaining schools in the American, because they're not, they're, they're not going to get a TV deal, paying out five million per from ESPN without Cincinnati, Houston, you know, you know, they're not getting that kind of money anymore. So that'll be their payout going five, six years in the future. But the sooner Houston, Cincinnati, UCF get in the Big Twelve, the sooner they can get the first year in the Big Twelve should be like twenty million dollars each. Yep. So. If they don't take the 7 million from the TV deal with the American and then pay, Will, four million, four or five million for that first year. They're getting 20 million. That's a win. Yep. That's what they're gonna do. So Michael Resco is holding out, he's saying he, you know, we're gonna hold them to that. And and they the schools will love, you know, if we don't come to an agreement, they will stay, be willing to stay till 2024. The hell they will. <laughs> no, 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 they won't. So, but he's right. Comments of the essence because they knew to get the schedules planned out and all those things. But trust me, football, Coach Hogerson wants UH in the Big 12 as soon as possible to tell the recruits, yep, we're going to be in the Big 12 starting in the fall of 2023. Come play for me in Houston. Not in the fall of 2024. I have
5: a question. Yes, ma'am. For everybody here, (laughs) do you besides men's basketball? uh, Do you guys think that U of H sports and UCF and Cincinnati um, uh, those teams are prepared to go into
0: the Big Twelve, like from a
5: competitive and competition standpoint?
0: Basketball is men's basketball.
5: I said besides. I know.
0: No, 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 that's all I'm saying. (laughs) Basketball, men's basketball, and that's it. Cincinnati's football team is yes, and UCF
1: Mm, softball probably is.
0: Softball, uh-huh. possibly, and maybe... Uh, Houston's the,
1: track and swimming teams. Houston's team.
0: track and swimming track, teams. Yeah. But, yeah. So, bits and pieces, you know, from each program.
1: Football has to, has a lot of proven this season. And like we uh, mentioned, I think... You know, on the surface, you wouldn't think that a game against Kansas in, the, in our conference is a big deal, but I think it's going to be a really big deal for the football team this coming season. Agreed. You can't go out there and you can't lose to Kansas. Uh, in theory, if you're less than months removed from when you officially join the Big 12, that's going to leave I mean, it, it's not going to be good if you lose to Kansas.
0: Agreed. But your point, Tamer, is, you know, it's a legit question. So not all of the athletic programs, those three schools, are ready for the Big 12. But bits and pieces are, and the sooner they can go to recruits and tell them, we're going to be in the Big 12 in a year. So come to us. Come play for us and be on a big-time stage.
5: And will it start, um, like, at the fall of 2022 or uh, fall of
0: 2023? 2023. And that's that's the goal. So one more season in the American, the 2022-23 season in the American – and then ideally July 1st, 2023, announced, you know, officially the Big 12 schedule is announced, and Houston is part of Big 12 football for the fall of 2023. Yes. And it's official, Andy. It's a final score. I know Tamer yeah. and Will, and I'm hyped about it. Coach Huey's Houston Cougars defeated LaTeX in the first round of the WNIT. Final score 63 to 52. Yip yip, hooray! They're going to the second round now. He only plays seven players, so I'm kind of curious yeah, about
1: that. That's interesting.
6: Played... So yeah, that caught
1: my eyes too. Um, I mean, uh, kudos to Bria Patterson, Tierra Young, who looks like they stepped up big uh, and, and helped out Layla Blair in terms of the scoring load. But that's interesting. Yeah, they went with a seven man rotation.
0: Bria Patterson led the and team with 18 points. Tierra Young scored 17. Layla Blair scored 12. Houston, I rebounded. Black Tech 40 to 31 and only had nine turnovers. So that was the key. Houston took a page from the men's book with second chance points. Won that 18 to 2. Hmm. So yes, Houston Cougars will face the winner of SMU Tennessee Tech. And they're playing that game is going on right now. Should be right on halftime. And so that'll be in a second round matchup. So hooray, WNIT. Whatever. But next up, Commissioner Michael Oresco. This is going to be a long clip, about five, six minutes, but he talks about his thoughts on the college football playoff and the failure to expand to 12 now. So Mr. Gibson, Mr. Mm-hmm. Knight, Ms. Yanez, listen to this, if you haven't already heard the comments, because this is going to be a I'm – I'm curious to hear – what each of you think after you hear this. So now we're gonna hear from Commissioner Michael Resco about the CFP College Football Playoffs here on Folks Talking Sports.
6: That's a great question Joseph. You know I'm you probably don't get me started you know I'm, I'm really frustrated about what happened and disappointed. It, it was just so unnecessary in my view. Um, you know, and again, you could go back to uh, what are the root causes of this? You know, Bob Bowlesby, I think, summed it up pretty well. He said, if you don't want to do something, any excuses is as good at another. And we've heard a lot of different reasons why the three didn't want to do it. And some said, yeah, I was for it until I was against it. You know, others, you know, had this five plus one business, which is ridiculous. I've said it from the beginning, you know, that, that working group did a good job. And, and it was a tough job. And I think they explained themselves well and they they settled on 12 as opposed to eight because eight is, it just doesn't have any traction in an 18 playoff you don't have enough at larges. now if you really look at the six six model the 12 team model it, it reflects the ncaa tournament in terms of you know the 32 automatics it used to be 32 at larges, now it's 30 you know 36. point is uh you have a mix between the automatics which every every basic basically every tournament every uh you know, playoff has, whether it's pro sports, amateur sports, and and then you have a series of at-larges to make sure you get worthy teams. You know, the number of games is an issue, but it's not as big an issue as you might think. And we think that, you know, somebody having to play two more games and you'd have to play now to win a championship is probably gonna be unlikely. This business about, well, we have to solve all the problems of college athletics before we can start a playoff. I mean, to me, that doesn't make any sense. And look, I respect the ACC. Jim Phillips is a really good friend. I sit next to him in all the meetings and I respect Jim. Uh, and I like him personally. He's a great guy. Uh, We just have a disagreement. It's an honest disagreement. You know, again, it's not a personal thing, but we don't understand where they're coming from because think about it. You know, these problems are going to be with us. This was an opportunity, and this is a sad thing. This was an opportunity for 800 players, student-athletes to participate in a playoff as early as 24-25. I mean, think about that. That's eight more teams Those kids, a lot of those kids will be long gone by the time a playoff starts and will never have that opportunity. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Ask our UCF kids how it felt in 2017 to be as good as they were and not have a shot, or 2018 and Houston in 2015 and even 16. And then look at Cincinnati two years ago when their team was equal to the team that made the playoff this year. Might've even been a little better, who knows? You know, the point is they didn't have that opportunity. That's what this was all about, trying to give them an opportunity a little bit earlier Putting a playoff in place for 2026 and beyond, and then moving it up a little earlier. And finally, you know, the um, right now we're we're in limbo. You know, we're sort of out in the wild blue yonder. We don't know when the next meeting is. Our presidents, uh, I think, are still talking. We have a board of managers. Uh, Gerald Turner is our rep from SMU, and he does a terrific job. Uh, I don't know when the next meeting will be, but you know, within another year or so, we're going to have to start seriously thinking about 26. And if we don't do anything, then there's no playoff at all after 25. And I don't really foresee that we're going to, you know, not have a playoff anymore. I don't think we'll take that step backward. But we could end up defaulting to four again. Uh, you know, Greg Sankey, who has you know, been an ally of ours really on this, and I respect Greg and Bob for being strong proponents of six plus six as opposed to this five plus one nonsense. And I, I respect what what they did on the uh, on the working group. Uh, we have a strong majority that wanted to move ahead. It wasn't quite, you know, what we needed, but it was close. And in the end, I, we're going to have to meet pretty soon at some point, you know, to uh, to get this thing moving again, uh, or we're going to default to four, uh, which the SEC has said they'd be fine with. They're dominating it now, uh, but this would help everyone. Let's be honest; it's about inclusion. We only have about 3% of schools that play in this playoff, uh, and you know, it's football, so obviously you're not going to have as many uh, opportunities as other sports. Uh, but still, um, you know, having a 12-team playoff does create that opportunity. Uh, I, I just read that that Greg has said he's not sure that he'll still support the, uh, the four champions getting the buys. It could be that he would support the top four teams getting a buy. Uh, I, I haven't talked to him yet about that, but I did see that recently. Uh, so I don't know where that's going, but um, you know there been there's been some acrimony. There've been some you know some recriminations about well why didn't it happen? Uh, you won't see us doing that, and uh, you know we have a great respect for uh, for Mark Keenum, the chair of Mississippi State, and for the uh, the board of managers. I think they were frustrated with us that we couldn't get there, um, and we're all frustrated, I guess. Period, but. Uh, we just have to keep at it. We got to make sure that somehow we get this playoff in place in 26. And, and I hope it's 12. And I, and I I, think it's 6-6. It has to be 6-6 because that's the only one that makes sense. Uh, you know, in my open letter, uh, I'll close by saying in my open letter, which you probably have read, I said, look, this is like the Yankees Red Sox. You know, we don't give the American League East preferential treatment because yeah they've had the best record they've had the best the most money they spend the most money they've got the best brands but we don't say well the American League West isn't quite as good you know we don't think they're up to snuff so therefore we're not giving them a shot but we're uh, an automatic but we're going to give the Yankees Red Sox division the East division nobody does it that way it's ridiculous to do it that way it's one thing to have a bowl tie-in and one of the we've we haven't had that uh, we've had to fight for that G5 slot which we by the way uh, six out of eight years and seven out of nine if you count the year we were still in the BCS. Uh, we've had to fight for that, but it's one thing to have a bowl tie and That's based on ratings potential. It's based on sponsorship potential. It's based on, on brand. It's based on attendance. That's not a playoff. A playoff is totally different. It's supposed to be fair. It's supposed, you're supposed to earn it. There's not supposed to be privilege before you even play it down or you shoot a basket. So that, that's what... Um, you know, what we're going to fight for. And that's that's something, um, you know, that's something you fight for to the end because it's a really important principle.
0: Thoughts on that, Mr. Yanez?
1: You know, he hit on a couple of uh, key points. The one thing, the thing that caught my attention first and foremost was uh, him mentioning the 12-team playoff, which uh, – and man, I really don't see that happening. Certainly not in the near future, with with the way some of the commissioners have have uh stated. Mainly, you know, the Pac-12 and and some of these other commissioners that a 12 team playoff seems like it's it's honestly not realistic to happen. Um, on that last point that he mentioned about uh, you know, being a true playoff and you know not being something that's kind of more privileged. You know, the term he phrased, you know, before a down's even played or a basket is shot. Um, it, it seems like there's always it, the playoff has already been decided. and It's not a true playoff. I get his argument there, um, but to be honest, if, if, if in my opinion, I feel like it's just a lot of talk that's not going to get anywhere. In my opinion, but I, I, I get, I agree with his with his point there in terms of making it a true playoff. But I don't see it being a twelve team playoff, and I don't see any action coming of it.
0: Really,
2: I
1: I, yep. I
0: think a twelve team is inevitable. It's in. just a question of when it's going to happen. Will, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, definitely 12 teams are coming. A um, couple of things. I uh, don't think he'll be sitting next to Jim Phillips in the next meeting because, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that was a little interesting. And then um, did he just go six and a half minutes and in the middle would say, yeah, you got this group over here, at the planet, but we will never do that. What did I just spend the last six and a half minutes listening to? (laughs) I was like, what? And I mean, and I get it. I mean, I I understand. I understand. And I hate to use this analogy, but, you know, the big brother gets the cookie and the little brother wants a cookie too. And you're going to get, you know, mom, mom, I want a cookie. I get it. I get it. But first of all, why I say it's going to be 12, I've said this from the beginning The CFP, as currently constituted, is set up for chaos on purpose. Yes. How do you tell me you have the top four teams, but yet you constantly tell me it's the Power Five conferences? So you want chaos. You want controversy from the rep. So 12 is going to happen, but I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting. I get it. You know, it's a once in a... You know, we, he went to the once in a long lifetime opportunity for these eight hundred kids, and
0: they'll never get it. And, uh, He's playing on the hearts, and, hearts and minds there. You know, pulling those heartstrings. Yeah, whatever. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like um, no, they didn't get it done this year. Come back to the table; they'll get it done next year.
0: Tamer, what do you think about what you heard from Commissioner? I
5: was going to say. say with what what um Will just said. Like, I think equal opportunity. So, if creating that twelve. 12- team playoff, if that that makes it equivalent for everybody or, you know, equal for everybody, then I don't see why not. Um, But like he said, (laughs) everything was created uh, to create chaos anyway. So, I mean, I feel like they'll benefit benefit from it regardless.
0: You know, and Andy, the 12-team playoff, I think is going to happen because of so much money. That's, That's the bottom line is so much money. You no, know, because I think I mentioned to you months ago that I thought the presidents would not agree to to it right now because they want to wait for the TV deal to expire to open it up to more bidders to get more money. That's what they want. They want the other networks besides ESPN to put in bids to raise the price. You know they can put about. It's, we're trying to protect the safety of the student athletes. No, you're not. Because if you were, you weren't. You wouldn't have basketball players busting to play in three games during the week, you know, busting, playing a game on Monday, Monday night, try to get home to go to class on Tuesday. You know, if you're all about student safety and then, I mean, please. So whatever, different sport I know, but don't tell me you, you care about the safety of the student athletes when you clearly don't. It's no, just no, football no. makes the most money. Yep. So, Given that,
2: Chris. Go ahead. You, you, you have a team play in Dayton, Ohio, Tuesday night at nine thirty, game ends. And you put them on the plane and fly them cross country to
0: Portland, Oregon to play Thursday. Yeah. So and that's the thing I I, I don't get is why can't they have the first four play Tuesday and just play everybody on Friday? Everybody so, in the first four play Friday. Oh, you, you got four networks. Yeah. Have all four games at, on Tuesday. And then have the, the winners advance to play Friday. Or
2: you could have put them in Buffalo. You could have put them in Pittsburgh. You could have put them Dayton in the worse Pittsburgh. like they did TSU. Yeah, dating the, the Pittsburgh is a bus ride.
0: Yeah. A motorcross so, ride. But, but you flew them to Portland, Oregon. Like and, and had problems. It didn't give them a big enough plane. That part. So, yeah, y'all say you like, about wait, uh, the student safety, you know, the safety of student athletes. No, you don't. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was just gonna add on to the point. Like uh, Texas Southern and Texas A&E and Corpus Chris having to play in uh, Dayton as well for the first four when they could have both played uh, closer.
0: But so that that's that's what it is. we could get into a whole bunch of different scenarios about all that. How Andy, how are the uh the scores looking for the evening session so far?
1: Yeah, UConn and, and New Mexico State's going down the line. They actually UConn just tied it with two minutes left. Uh, they're tied at 58, and uh, Kentucky and St. Peter's is going down on the wire, too. About five minutes left, and it's a two point game. Kentucky hanging on uh, as of now, but this game is tied, and it is a good so, game. UConn making it, and they made a rally.
0: So, needless to say, if the underdogs win both those games, my bracket will be further burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mexico State
1: that- just went up 3.
0: So, yeah, but that's why I don't spend money on on these uh, brackets anymore because I can't afford to lose the money.
2: (laughs) And and by the way, the the team that flew cross-country is down 24. Imagine
0: that. Yeah, Indiana. Oh, So they're losing to St. Mary's, right? Yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah, and they were a trendy pick. to The winner of that first four game was a trendy pick to beat St. Mary's, I believe. Yep. By a lot of people. So go figure that. And now the Hoosier fans will have a, a big flag to bear. See, the flight delay messed up the team's rhythm and everything like that. And who knows what could happen if you got there on time and all, you know. <laughs> so that, that is out there for them to say whether it's legit or not. But oh, we're going to wrap it up. Tamer, thank you very much. Oh, no, no. Tamer, how many, how many games have you worked with Van Chancellor? Uh... Well he, he
5: was working when I wasn't there because I was doing the Olympics. Um but Oh,
0: listen this is that humble brag because yeah. I was doing the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: Uh he he was work I worked um one game with him before I left and I missed three and then I came back and I had four or five. So maybe like five or six. Just he only came, you know, for conference. He wasn't there for non conference.
0: Well what 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 was that like?
5: Uh he's great. Uh he's he's um very knowledgeable obviously about the sport and um you know he offered some good advice and he does it for the Southland um I think like mm-hmm. the Southland Conference in general um but having him there at HBU was definitely it made uh calling the games a lot more fun and he offered a lot of insight and that was, like, a learning experience for me.
0: Did did you pick up, have you picked up any band chancellor-isms? Uh,
5: No, not yet. I didn't really get to work with him long enough. I feel like if he comes back next season and if I'm able to go back to HBU next season, um, I will be able to. But I definitely would say, like, our chemistry on air, it worked out great. Um, so that was something that I was kind of proud of.
0: Very good, Minty. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of my other, one of my other mentees right here on the screen, Andy Yanes, and a Gibson. You you may be close to my age, but you're a mentee to your brother. So you know I'm proud of all three of y'all and the work y'all are doing. Mr. Yanez, plug your 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 show, your post game show.
1: Oh, uh, let's see if I can uh, figure out that this. this might end up taking up. Oh, it just took up a little corner in the screen. So. As we figure it out, it, it, I'm trying to put up the logo, but anyway, so like Chris mentioned, the unofficial post-game show that I'm <clears throat> looking for a sponsor plug-in here, uh, Let's Rage Clues will be on after Houston and UAB, the first-round game matchup. So we're going to go late tomorrow night, uh, depending on the game, that 8.20 p.m. Central, so it'll probably end around 10.30.
0: Yep, hopefully. So we'll no will aim-
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, it's not like Rutgers, and Notre Dame, but so we probably aim around 11, 11 o'clock post game show. So stay with us. We like super proud of the, the support that we've gotten so far. I mean, it's been crazy. I think we've done three shows, and every single one of them, when you combine all our views, it did two hundred plus views. YouTube on Twitter, our, our first official show did really really well. So we appreciate the support and uh, um, in, in terms of branding, Chris, I'm a Just going to plug it in there once again. I know you can't really even see it, but that's Rage Cougs. Immediately, not immediate following, but the logo right there in the corner, you can't even see it, but that's Rage Cougs. After Houston, UAB, we're back tomorrow night to discuss all things of that game, post-game show.
0: So, uh, job well done. And, Will, Tamer, if you haven't seen either of the first three post-game shows, Andy has, has figured out some things, uh, things here that I did not know how to, how to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, youngsters will. You know how they do, man. Technology is their friend, so they can do stuff, and we learn from them. So that's what I'm still doing as we wrap it up here. And it looks like New Mexico State is going to be UConn. They're up six with under 30 seconds to go. Boy, there goes that. Hmm.
1: Chris, for a second. I don't mind if I do. Can I, can I change the banner for like three seconds? Yeah, go ahead. Let's Rage Coup. Pods by the Jammer presents Let's, Let's Rage Coup immediately following. so uh, yeah. Not immediately following, but after Houston UAB.
0: So, yeah, there you go. And hopefully, we'll get sponsors for that because the plan for that is to have post game shows in the fall for that. And, you know, just going forward, it's going to be a, a constant thing for UH athletics. Tamer Knight, how can folks find you and contact you in social media?
5: Okay. You can find me on Twitter at T night sports. Also Instagram T night sports as pictured or labeled in the box. Um, also tune into TSU sports show, still going strong Huskies play tomorrow in the WNIT. So go Huskies. And yeah, that's about it. www.thenightagenda.com. That's me.
0: Very good. Tamer, Mr. Gibson, how can folks find you, sir? Yes, sir. Um,
2: Twitter and Instagram at Will Gibson7. Um, Facebook, Will Knows uh, Facebook page.
0: Tamer, when is your birthday? November. Oh, so you're the outlier of, mm-hmm. of, of the group because it's just a coincidence. Let me pull up Will's one, one more time. His Twitter right there had a, had a I got to put them all together, group them. But yes, there's Will's right there, Will Gibson7. Will Andy and me have birthdays in March? <laughs> just, just one of those coincidences. <laughs> but uh, Andy, you plugged less rage coogs. How could folks find you as well on social media and, and your other many irons in, in the fire?
1: Yeah, for sure they can follow me on Twitter at aonf underscore five. As you see it in the ticker below, um, a lot of UH tweets and a lot of uh, sayings apparently. Uh, now with March Madness. Uh, real quickly, another update on it. So New Mexico State's in the driver's seat, Chris. They're up three. They're going to have possession. So uh, UConn has to foul. And Kentucky's gotten a little separation from St. Peter's. we with, with just under four minutes left there. So we've got a couple games going down the wire. It's March. It is March. This is March. So
0: And shout out to uh, Play Action Pools for partnering with the Houston Round Bar View for, for my bracket. A competition contest. I think I'm in last place. Will, but it's it's all good. I'm, I'm definitely going to be in last place as soon as UConn loses. So, but just going further, further down. But you know, it's, it's all UConn fun. Too. So, um, I think I had you. Yeah. So, whatever. I'm in last place anyway. So, but I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Twitter, put that up there. VHR Review. The button works for me. There we go. And HoustonRoundBarReview dot com. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube. And there is a playlist for Less Rage Cougs on the Houston Round Bar Review channel. So you can catch it on the Houston Round Bar Review as well as on Twitter at Andy's Twitter account and Paul Majama Twitter account. So different ways to watch the show. And Andy, the show is also available, audio version of it on the podcast platforms, just like this show, Folks Talking Sports yeah. is available in audio as well as on on iHeart, Spotify, um, Apple, um, you know, all those um, audio podcast platforms. So we're doing big things. We're looking for sponsors to help us uh, continue to do even bigger things because we still have plans in the works to work with AJ Jones and Jones Media and Entertainment and on his platform, on uh, Fire Stick and Roku, eventually he's going to be doing that. Tamer, I need to talk to you. You 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 have time after this? Okay, so be by your phone in a few minutes. So I'm going to call you and pick your brain. But as always, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of the Houston Round Bar Review Presents Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by Steve Saxenian and the Saxenian family. We'll see you next time. Everybody, take care. Take care.